Welcome to Hot Salad World, baby. Ay, hace mucho calor. Don't know the power of the dark side. Hey guys, welcome to the Dark Side Podcast. I'm Dan. I am Mike. And we are whelmed. We are whelmed. Yeah, we are. Why are we whelmed? Because today we have something cool to talk about. We do. We're just like whamming out these cool episodes for you guys. At least we think they're cool. You always have these like really presumptuous <laughs> like <laughs> accounts of what we do. I just assume everyone likes what I like because I'm dope. Listen, I always say that if you if you make yourself matter, you'll matter. That's, that's oh, applicable. That's here. very insightful. Yeah, that's right. I'll keep that and keep that in mind. Anyway, so today hey, we're anyway. we are not doing the news again no. for another week. No news. Go go on Twitter. Yeah, you know what? No news is fine because nothing has happened actually until since that Nightwing thing that we spoke about. Really, nothing's happened since Logan came out. So here we are. We're yeah, doing some, this. Some stuff has happened, but we don't care. It was minor. Yeah. See, like that's what this is with this the genre, like this the the, the Listen, dork genre. It's about, very minor crap. Who wants to talk about Iron Fist? Because I don't. Okay, so moving on. Um, today, what we have for you guys is basically last week we did a history of Marvel Comics movies um, from start to finish. This week we're going to be doing pulp or otherwise any other. Uh, hero, superhero genre films that encompasses film before there was really movies were really popular, uh, just delving into television. And this kind of spans everything that has its basis in comic book lore or comic books themselves. Comic books, comic strips, graphic novels, you name it. We're covering it. Where this one's going to be the – because basically we're, we're sort of doing a little series here. Last week we did Marvel. Uh, next week or within the next couple of weeks, uh, we will be doing DC. And in between, we decided, all right, well, there's a lot of other ground to cover. Um, other companies, other things that aren't exactly superhero, other superheroes that don't have a home at Marvel or DC. So we're going to give them all to you here. So we're going to decide at the end here, basically, I think as a, as a group, superhero movies that are based on the uh, Great American Mythology books. Good idea or bad idea? Yeah, I guess we'll say I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a decent mix, and uh, there's a, there's a lot of them here. I think Dan's a little bit I... more of a student of history on this one, uh, so I'll be along oh, for thanks. the I'll be along for the the ride with you on this one. Uh, I have a feeling I'm not going to know a lot of these, and we can question them together. Uh, question is a good word because they are questionable. Oh. <laughs> a lot of I them. have not seen the list. If I do not include something, it is because it probably was a whisper in a very, 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 very vast catalogs of films that have happened. Yeah. Since See, they the make 30s. a lot of movies. They make a lot. Of, a lot of them are based on these, these heroes slash crappy heroes that keep coming out. So, you know what? We're limiting it to ones that actually mattered to me or I think mattered to other people that aren't me. It mattered to, like, the history. The, yeah. The if, you know what? Ones. If we left out anything that you have a problem with, hit us up. Let us know. Give us a comment. Give us a tweet. Give us a... Uh, a Facebook comment. Well, uh, <laughs> Dude, you left out Dudley Do-Right. Oh, man, that's a big one. I don't <laughs> know if a... Who played Dudley Do-Right in the Dudley Do-Right movie? Brendan Fraser. Yo, is he all right? Is he doing okay these days? 
No. I thought I thought about he that looks recently. like he looks like a walking commercial for hair plugs for men. Over the over the summer, <laughs> he looks went, like a zombie. Sorry. Over the summer, I went to uh, Universal Studios in Florida, and they have the the mummy ride, and he's in the the post like ride video, and I just I just had like a like a moment where I was like, whoa, forgot about the dude from Monkey Bone. That's on here. Monkey Bone's on here. <laughs> That's on the list. Yes. Bringing it back. I watched that movie one day when I was sick in the fifth grade. You could tell me about Monkey Bone. Oh, we'll talk all about Monkey Bone. And we'll Let's get back this. on the topic of Brendan Fraser because that's not going away. Can't wait. Okay. So we're starting in 1937. Ah, good year. Original Americana. We have the dawn of the comic book with The Shadow Strikes. This was actually The Shadow Strikes. <laughs> You're laughing at me? <laughs> Your accent. I, I love that you did voices. We don't usually do voices. I don't usually do voices. You made a point last week to say about how you always comment on the voices I do. That's what I do. It's my job. Continue. The Shadow. (laughs) The Shadow Strikes. This is The Shadow Strikes. This was 1937, and we had basically like the dawn of the popular comic book. And The Shadow Strikes was a serial that was produced in front of films. And it was actually like, you know... I actually like the character of The Shadow, who's a pulp hero, uh, done in comic strips. And... uh, Basically, what the shadow does is he has this like mask, this little scarf that he pulls over his nose, and he could like disappear. And he's got these double guns. He's very cool. That's cool. And you know, I feel like that was a, that was a popular thing uh, for the dawn of uh, of superheroes and film was the serial. Yeah. You know, it was basically like a time where you'd go to the movies and they wouldn't just show the Wizard of Oz; they'd show the Wizard of Oz, and you'd get a newsreel, and you'd yeah. get a serial, yeah. and you'd get a cartoon. It was like a whole day event, which pretty cool we'll I mean, discuss wish, it later but yeah. dc was doing it with, with batman when he came out yeah like dc did with batman captain america uh, got america. one also you know, yep. it was definitely a popular thing uh and sort of how superheroes got their start on the big screen and so the shadow was a detective and so i think that leads into 1938 with a, someone that followed suit and they made one called international crime which followed these detectives more serials um in 19 19- we didn't see really anything from just non-brand characters that weren't superman um, until 1945, when they made the first Dick Tracy um, film. And Dick Tracy, for those that don't know, is he is a comic book character. He is also uh, the subject of these serials. And Dick Tracy wears uh, the outlandish yellow fedora and yellow coat and his beautiful watches and women. And he, he's a detective and a cop, uh, later to be played by very many other people mm. and this was the first adventure of Dick Tracy we saw in 1945. No, it's funny the, the little gap there uh, do you think what, what was the what was the one before Dick Tracy what was the year on that? 1938 international crime and it wasn't even superheroes. So, so we didn't see superhero since 1937. Well, you know, it's funny because the the gap there 1938 to 1945 that's World War II. So do you think that Sort of had to do with why it gave us a I little do. gap there. I do because there was a uh, if it was non DC non Marvel stuff and uh, you know Marvel really wasn't a thing yet, but we had DC, you know, and there really was a kind of we had we had something going for Superman at the time, um, I believe, but I don't think that uh, I don't think that a lot of things were being produced like produ- production of these kind of things was probably at a, like a little bit Heck, of a yeah had to slow down a little bit because production sure. and production and what they had as Hollywood then was not so strong either right because a lot of our a lot of our nation's money was going towards war efforts right so um, yeah there was a huge lull in the forties but then at forty six we get another shadow we get to shadow behind the mask which was a sequel to the Shadow Strikes. Hmm. 
And then we get a, because I guess you don't turn on a good idea, we got another sequel of Dick Tracy with Dick Tracy vs. Q-Ball. Um, actually, these Dick Tracy ones just want people to know, you know, this is not a plug for them. We're no way endorsed, but you can watch these on Hulu, I think is uh, something cool. Hulu. What a wonderful service. Yes. What a wonderful service. You know, wow. how, you know we're not I, advertising for them right now, when I go on, be. When I go on my Hulu subscription, I, <laughs> I don't have a Hulu subscription. Netflix. <laughs> What's up? You just freaking ruined it. Hulu's not going to sponsor us. In a small Wait, mind, Pinky. Maybe maybe, maybe Netflix will... I'm, I'm going to show oh, up for Netflix now. Maybe I'm Netflix will sponsor up Netflix, Brian. That was my brain. That was pretty good. All right. All right. Anyway. <laughs> then we get the Shadow Returns. Wow. The shadow, so ja- shadow dominated the 40s. This is all 46. Wow. And then we get the Shadow, the missing lady. Same here. What happened to the lady? She was missing. <laughs> Nineteen forty-seven. We continue with the uh, the originality, and we get Dick Tracy's dilemma, also available on Hulu. This feels this feels really familiar. Actually, it's funny we talk about it like, well, Dick Tracy, the Shadow, Dick Tracy, the Shadow. That's kind of how it is now. It's like Marvel, yeah. Marvel, X Men, X Men, DC, Marvel, X Men, Star Wars, Marvel, Star Wars. So still in nineteen forty-seven, we get the next one, Dick Tracy meets Gruesome, and then we had. 1946, the next time we get something pulp is 1956, 10 years later. So we didn't see anything that wasn't, uh, wasn't like DC, um, big icon based until 56. What a boring decade. The Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger came out in 56. Ah, with Army Hammer and Johnny Depp? I'm fucking serious. <laughs> no. We'll get to that, I'm sure. <laughs> Which was based on the comic strip. Right. And the Lone Ranger was freaking cool. When I was a kid, I grew up with uh, a lot of the uh, VHS tapes uh, that you could buy on like a Cracker Barrel that were all like old cereals. I was going to say, that's where, that's where you see a lot of these now is like these these DVD collections where it's like a hundred of them. Huh? Like, they sell them in like the dollar store. Hi, Cracker Barrel. When I got a Cracker Barrel, <laughs> I like to get my buttermilk biscuits with a side of Lone Ranger VHS tapes. Yo. On the real though, not trying to get the Cracker Barrel sponsorship. The Sunrise Sampler at Cracker Barrel, one of my favorite things in the world. Okay, at least we did it like end that one pitching for a different restaurant. <laughs> right. Yeah, but you know what's really good? Five Guys. I know, you ruined it. All right. Yeah, in, in, 19, in 1958, we have the Invisible Avenger. I'm not going to pretend I know what that's about. Uh, <laughs> then we had the Lone Ranger in the Lost City of Gold. You know, for the interesting thing, I, you know, I thought so. I just did a little, little, little fact check here. Um, mm. It's fun. A lot of these things were predated. You know, we're, we're talking about on film, but a lot of these things were predated with, with radio shows. The Lone Ranger being one of them. And yeah, I, I feel like uh, it's, that's a worthwhile place to look into uh, as where all this comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just wanted to throw that out there. Not really, not not film, but you know, if you want to look at where the roots of film are, radio. Yes, definitely. And those tapes you could also find <laughs> Cracker Barrel. <laughs> you can. They're there for you to buy. Everything's at Cracker Barrel. Everything. Well, a delicious home cooked meal. <laughs> taffy, like no one in your life taffy. used to make. Charles chips. You ever have a Charles chip? If you haven't, go try one. They're dope. Great. In 1974, we got the first Flash Gordon. What happened to the 60s? The uh, 60s apparently for Pulp Heroes didn't happen. 
Okay. Ah, right. <laughs> I think in the sixties we got uh, all the crappy Marvel movies we talked about. Uh, That's true. Definitely about. filled that gap, and also like uh, I'm sure there was a little bit more on TV at that point. Uh, yes, sixties Batman things like that. Yeah, we had in sixty six we got the Batman movie, so there was DC dominated at the right. time, L- especially L- in fifty eight. You know, we had um, we had the Adventures of Superman, yeah, uh, so with George Reeves, a know. lull in the in the movie world, yeah, right? Um, it was Superman and the Moment, the movie. Wow. Uh, so the moment. It's a good movie. Uh, anyway, in nineteen seventy four we had the original Flash Gordon. Um and we'll get to the better known Flash Gordon. Flash. Um uh, I just know that from Ted. Right. Exactly what we'll get to. Um then we have nineteen seventy five. Doc Savage, the man of bronze, which was a comic strip. Doc Savage is basically this jungle explorer. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Basically, like if you've ever seen Venture Bros, he's basically what they base Brock Samson off of. Very cool. Cool book. Paul Piero. Works him with like your your time of Doc Savage, the Phantom, the Shadow. They were all like packaged as our like like today you know the DC universe, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Back then you had the Phantom, the Shadow, Dick Tracy, Doc Savage. You know, that, that was yeah, all. Yeah, I was say that seems to be our core crew here. Yeah. Uh outside of the the sort of, uh, shall we say, name brand superheroes. But I like that, you know, today, you know, when we're going to get there, you the people fail to find the market for for comic genre things without giving them superpowers. And I think that if you weren't, you know, timely comics, Marvel comics, DC comics, and you weren't, you you were putting out things with superpowered characters, I think the answer here was lay in, uh, you know, not producing things based on people with superpowers. It was the Lone Ranger. It was the Phantom. It was, you know, Doc Savage. Right. It when was, people think they com- kind of like were like, well, let's not do that. When people think comic books, I feel like everyone always goes superheroes. But there's so many outside of superheroes that that have a legacy uh, that maybe I don't know if people. It, it, I, I'm personally not, not sick of the the superhero movies, but if people get sick of them, maybe it'd be worthwhile to dive back into some of these old characters. There's going to be some that I'm going to mention that for yeah. that I would I would love to see another another installment. Like you know, instead of you know remaking shit, how about make a new installment? And I'm going to get to some of those. 1977. This is one that is just noteworthy because you're gonna, you're going to hear it in the title and you're going to wonder like is that DC? It's called Avar. The first black Superman. And this is the most entertaining plot of all time. Is it, does it have any relation to nope. DC Superman? Nope. Nope. Abar is a story about a scientist gives his bodyguard superhuman powers in order to fight racists. That's pretty cool. The sign of the times are pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Go Abar. <laughs> uh, you go on Rotten Tomatoes. You can't find a score for this flick because no one reviewed it, and twenty sure, percent yeah. of audiences liked it. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was a little controversial in the '70s, but I thought pretty- it was just note- noteworthy that this came out. Like, I just love the <laughs> scientist. It's a superhuman bodyguard to fight racists. I love it. Just miscellaneous. I want racists. another installment of that. Give me, give me a modern installment of that. Look up the trailer. <laughs> it's your most interesting watch of the day. That's all I'm going to say. Sounds pretty hardcore to me. I love it. 1979. We get Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Uh, in the 25th century. And this was cool. Buck Rogers was also a huge 
thing back in the day with mm-hmm. Doc Savage. You had Buck Rogers. He was basically like there. You know, if you add to that list of people, you add the Spaceman, and you get Buck Rogers. Interesting like that they a, made this in '79, right after Star Wars. Do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure it had. Uh, it was it had to be in response. Buck Rogers to already this. had a strip, and he was already. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I, I'm sure it was a way to be like, oh, you know what? Maybe we can pick up this old this, character. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Star Wars worked out well. Why would we not take this guy who already has a, a well, fan he's, base? He's mostly on Earth, and what's cool about Buck Rogers is he's. He's a guy from the 20th, 20th century who wakes up in the 25th century. I think there was a Fairly Odd Parents episode based on Buck Rogers. Really? No. Isn't Crash Nebula just Buck Rogers reimagined? The whole that character? Would, that would make sense. I think so. Anyway. In 1980, you get Flash! Thank you. With Flash Gordon, the Sam Jones movie, who I am Facebook friends with. Hello, Sam Jones. Sam Jones, friend of the show. Maybe if you've clicked on this by accident on your Facebook friends uh, feed and you hit your head and it's taken you 10 minutes to bandage your wounds. Well, you're here now. Hello. and Welcome to our show. We should tag him in this on Facebook. (laughs) Probably not going to do that. That's embarrassing. Get him on the show. Be a good interview. That'd be a great interview. Yeah, I'd ask him all. You could ask him all about Flash, and I'll ask him all about Ted. Most people are gonna know uh, Flash Gordon <laughs> from the cameos of Sam Jones in the Ted movies. Yep, because they're huge Flash Gordon fans. So just to recap, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon is on Sam Jones, who plays Flash Gordon, is a quarterback for the New York Jets, and he lands on a planet uh, Mongo to rectify trouble for our planet. With a NASA scientist and a travel agent. What a concept. Where they fight Ming the Merciless, played by Max von Sydow. Really? Yeah, who does not look like himself at all. Wow. I did never knew that. Wow. I never knew that. I, I learned that today. The three-eyed raven. Sure. Uh, they fight Ming the Merciless, who wants to destroy the planet, because, best story ever written, he is bored. <laughs> out, of, out of boredom he wants to destroy the earth because he is bored so he's merciless because he's bored no he, well, he wants to destroy the planet because he's bored that sounds like, I, I wish more movies were like that nowadays I wish more people were like we that try, I want to do this huge task because I'm bored we try, sounds like a president that's fucking true zing um no, I, I, I mean, they spend so much time nowadays trying to come up with these, like, really thinly veiled plots as to why somebody's doing something in a movie. Why can't it just be? He was bored. I think this is a good time to note that this is the only thing thus far that I'd say, as a, if you're a fan of their genre films, this might be a thing worth watching. I think that this is a good watch. Flash Gordon's a good, it's a good movie. It's, uh, it's campy as hell. Yeah, that's the thing. Can't Most play. audiences today younger than us probably won't get through it, but I think it's a good watch. You know, that's the thing. Certain that things, style. certain things you have to like. You have to disregard the time it was made in because obviously nowadays I think it's harder for for younger people, even us, even like people of our generation, to get through older movies because uh, you know it just it it doesn't hold up in in a lot of ways. Uh, Filmmaking wise, right. but if you are the type of film viewer that can get past that kind of stuff and appreciate it for what it was when it was made, then go for it. Cool. Camp camp is not always bad. It's not, and this was hot on the heels of Star Wars, um, which was doing camp and sort of future style um, in tandem with um, you know like the more action vibe. 
and this was this this was they wanted something to put out that was kind of you know along those like a different but similar lines and see where it went see if they could get that get that uh you know that feeling that star wars captured and kind of like you know make it for something else it didn't pan out like star wars but it still got the the great cult following that you see in ted with people like you know ted and johnny who are huge flash gordon fans there are huge flash gordon fans i'm sure i mean i see it even in going to comic cons and stuff you see a lot of flash gordon stuff around yeah you do in 1981 we got a film based on the first like comic book uh, magazine called heavy metal um, and Heavy Metal Magazine is, I, I've got my hands on one. Um, it's an English magazine. Um, I think that they did them in America too. I'm not, I couldn't be sure. Um, but basically, it's kind of like sci-fi and the futuristic. It's a sci-fi magazine where they do publications and just like little uh, stories that are based in the future or based in the the, the, the archaic past with like sci-fi elements to them. Um, and they're kind of like erotica in a way like the women are very like you know in like chain mail bras and fu yet futuristic it's like this was this psycho erotica sci-fi um sort of deal the beginning of man of steel is heavy the 2013's man of steel is heavily based on the magazine heavy metal um and just like the looks of the creatures and uh krypton itself um, flying around in these huge big birds that kind of look like dinosaurs made love to a like Godzilla monster uh, also cross species with a Star Wars uh, creature so yeah I thought that was pretty cool Interesting. it was I'm, animated I'm, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the cast list right now had John Candy, Eugene Levy, Harold Ramis mm. that's some, some top level was it, was it like a uh... wait are you looking at the right heavy metal this is the animated heavy metal Heavy Metal yeah. 1981. Yep. Yep. This is it. Interesting. I did not know that that guest was was in place. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I'm sure we'll get to it, but it did get another movie later on. We got our first color Lone Ranger movie, The Legend of the Lone Ranger, in the same year, 1981. Um, I don't think it's of a huge note, because I think that the more important installments of Lone Ranger were those black and whites. I think when yeah. people think back and go, oh, I used to watch that. They think of the black and white Lone Ranger. So this was like the transition sort of uh, for the Lone Ranger to the next era. Right. Which we'll right. continue to see evolve over the years. But Right. It's like what we do now with like the different, like, you know, Mar this this Marvel thing will be sometimes some person's past. And then they'll be like, oh, the new yeah. thing is the thing. Or like Bond. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so then after, um, after that, we get 1982. We get uh, Flash Gordon, uh, another one. Uh, the greatest adventure of all, which did not do well. It was a TV movie and it was animated. It you could say that okay. it wasn't the greatest adventure of all. Um, yeah, true. Now we have one here that I really dig. I had the VHS with my brother, and this one was called Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing, yes. Who's technically never now seen it, but... a DC character. Mm -hmm. But what's to note is there was a lot of like you know public domain issues, rights problems back in the day. So Swamp Thing is kind of like his own thing to me and that is the story of a scientist basically um basically tries to escape from a bad scientist scientist that's trying to steal his um you know like a serum if i remember correctly and he ends up getting turned into his his like you know getting turned into this like swamp creature and then he fights basically the henchman of the bad scientist it was a swamp thing so to speak 
That was a stinker. This anyway, thing. in 1984, we get the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension, which wasn't of too much, like, you know, acclaim, but I thought something interesting is Peter Weller's in it with John Lithgow. Yeah, this this actually, I feel like this has a a, a real cult following, this yeah. one. It actually almost, it, it, it came into the news the last year or so because Kevin Smith yep, was trying to get it, was trying, yeah, he was trying to get it made for, for Amazon, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, trying to do like a mini series or TV series and uh, didn't end up going forward, but, uh, you know, he talked about on his podcast and uh, how much he loved this movie and how much it meant to him. And uh, a lot of people sort of chimed in on that. So interesting that this one almost found new life in in our modern age here. But. You, it's interesting because it's like so simple. It's like black good aliens versus red bad aliens. Like in a movie with like these like kind of like it's kind of like a heisty film. Like uh, if I remember correctly, Peter Weller uh, as Buckaroo Banzai has some this piece of technology or something that everyone wants, and like he's it's kind of like a chase film mixed with like this like red versus black vibe it's very simple but it has a huge cult following and then we get something that actually has a huge cult following the toxic avenger in yeah 1984. that's got a big one huge you go to comic-con a uh, trauma has a which i think is the rights owners to the toxic avenger has a huge booth um and like they're their own types of celebrities in that culture for sure um, with the Toxic Avenger. It's basically a 98-pound nerd uh, from New Jersey lands on a vat of toxic waste and becomes a benevolent monster. And that's basically the gist of the Toxic Avenger, and you're going to see there's various sequels to come. Um, and every time, the cult following of this film... Uh, the, the, the most recent one that I remember seeing was well, it was a stage show a few years ago. Really? Yeah, they did a musical. I think, oh, I, think I remember that. I think yeah. I remember hearing about it at Comic-Con. Yeah, it was a musical. Um it premiered actually in in our uh, not too far from us in the uh, the George Street Playhouse in New Brunswick. Oh wow! Yeah, which we we've been to. We have friends. Yeah. Uh, in the in the uh, shall we say in the force there, uh, and yeah, and it it went to come off Broadway. It did, it did a uh, it did a tour. Still going now. Playing this played this past year in L. A. and uh, in Pittsburgh. So. I think that's that's where it's found its most recent life, but hmm. it definitely has a following. Yeah, definitely. And this is where things kind of like, you know, get a similar type of weird. In 1987, we see a filmed version of Masters of the Universe, which is the story of He-Man, um, which followed the old uh, the animated show, which also... Um, you know, had subsequent, uh, very, 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 one of the most successful toy um, franchises ever still so strong today that when uh, Mattel revitalized the Masters of the Universe line um, a couple of years back, people went like batty with like you know these new takes on the old toys. They were yeah. still producing the old toys up until that point. Like, I remember uh, it was even even when we were kids, it was it was harder to come across the show and and the characters, but you knew the toys. Like I saw, the, oh, yeah. I saw the toy commercials all the time, but I, 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 the, the cartoon and things like that it were outlived like, its own lore. Yeah. Like it out, the toy line outlived the actual like series. It was, it was like, it was almost like transformers in that sense where I feel like the toys were so popular that they had to keep finding ways to keep it relevant by doing different, uh, different versions of it, different, well, like, 
That's where we have something interesting. This was not the way to do it. You know who played He-Man? <laughs> Our resident uh, Punisher. It was Dolph, right? Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Who played Skeletor? Frank Langella. <laughs> Richard what? Nixon? What? Frank Langella. Um, it was absolutely Oscar nominee panned. and Tony Award winner Frank Langella played Skeletor? In the, in the movie that was panned. Panned. I think it's got like a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, oh, you know, it's funny. It come, everything comes full circle. We spoke about this movie briefly last week because uh, this movie was made by Canon Films, uh, which uh, its failure alongside the failure of another movie, which is slipping my memory at the moment, uh, led to Canon not being able to make their planned version of Spider-Man that they were going to make. Right. Well, next... It was this in Superman 4. That's what it was. We had a... You know, the, what's interesting is Mess of the Universe had such crappy effects... That when you go to the next one, it's hard to believe that they're the same year. But we had RoboCop, which was a huge, massive success mm -hmm. for heroic characters. Also played by Peter Weller, um, who was in Buckaroo Banzai. Um, RoboCop, for those who don't know, if you're living under the, the rock of all rocks being a dork, is a character who was a police officer and gets seemingly killed in the line of duty. Only to be brought back online and reborn when they make this OCP officer. Um, and he is basically turned into a mostly cybernetic uh, cop in the city of Detroit. Um, and it is a great movie. I love RoboCop. Such a cool movie. Don't hate me, but I haven't seen it. But I, I know it's, it's on my list. Oh, yeah. Just even, you know, I have to say, Peter Weller will always be best known for that. But just his voice on that. Is, is so iconic that like you know it like rings out into history like other films where people go like your move creep like it's like you you know that froggy low tone anywhere he did uh the dark knight returns on i was gonna say batman excellent batman because he was such a wonderful robocop that voice that boomy low voice was so so powerful as Batman. It, RoboCop is a masterpiece. The effects, the suit, the lore. There, you, there will, there, there will be, always be a following for RoboCop until eons have passed. It's a shame this movie got sort of an ill-fated remake a couple years ago. Which, which, yeah, I tried to watch. I did not like it. Uh, my you brother know, tried to watch it recently. He said like it wasn't unwatchable. But, yeah, like, they yeah, messed just, it up in the end. I'm sure good, it, good bones. I'm sure, I'm sure, given the, the classic status of the original, it's just one of those movies that I feel like shouldn't be shouldn't be touched by no, yeah. the Even Peter Weller didn't age, want to made. I mean, who, who played RoboCop in that? Joel Kinnaman, right? Oh, I don't know. I, think I, it was, I really don't. I'll, I'll do a quick check on that. Keep going. But I, I think it was Joel Kinnaman. In 1987, we got a TV show for The Spirit, which is a character we'll be coming back to, a character created by one of the greatest comic book um Artists and writers of all time, uh, Will Eisner. Uh, it was who, Joel Kinnaman. It was Joel Kinnaman. Great. Um, AKA and, Rick Flagg from Suicide Squad. This is Katana. She's got my back. That was actually. I'd advise fair... you not get killed by her. Her sword traps the soul of its victims. That is actually a very accurate uh, representation of his acting skills. I know. And why do you know those lines so well? Because <laughs> I was watching a video that Screen Junkies did the other day where one of the guys, uh, I think it was Andy Signore, picked up a uh, picked up a Katana action figure at Target. 
and went up to people and was just going, this is Katana. She's got my back. And just do the whole line just uh-huh. at people walking through Target. Oh, so you heard it over and over again. Yeah. Oh, otherwise, it would have been a huge disappointment. No, I'm actually, I studied the Suicide Squad script just so I can know the lines. Anyway. 1989 was an awesome movie for comic book fans and just like hero fans alike. Not only did we have in DC World, which we'll get to, but they're so referable for like the timelines of things. We had Batman come out um, with Michael Keaton. But here we have, starting off the year, we had The Return of the Swamp Thing. Oh, it came back. Came back. We had Toxic Avenger Part 2 and 3. Came back. 2 and 3 in the same year? 2 and 3 in the same year. I guess maybe shot together. Makes sense. Um, We had a movie called Catman Lethal Attack. Lord knows what that's about. We have Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy, that's a Dick big one. Dick Tracy, done with Warren Beatty, Madonna, um, Al Pacino's in it. Um, just a huge cast. This movie is amazing. It is a huge chunk of my childhood and like a lot of people's childhoods. What a great film. And, and, and critically acclaimed, too. Seven Academy Award nominations, three wins, Best Original Song, Best Makeup, and Best Art Direction. Uh, it, it, this is this is a, a certified classic in this. If this, we're talking about yeah. superhero, comic book, whatever sort of movies uh, that aren't in the the DC Marvel canon, this is this top is top tier. Top tier. Dick Tracy was uh, came out and it really hit the ground running. The marketing was strong. This was the first time you're gonna see a return of those old pulp characters. This is the moment that they went, huh? It worked. They brought back one of those old 30s, um, you know, 40s characters that hadn't seen the light of day almost 40 50 years later almost here at this point and they it stuck and the movie was a roaring success there's lines like that you'll hear another thing like the 30 seconds no more dick you'll you'll hear them in other movies and other media and uh i love this film i just feel like there's a there's a 2017 oscars joke in here with warren Beatty somewhere but i'm not gonna, oh, i'm not going to search for it no please don't it'd be very sad for me we got robocop 2 there was a robocop 2 what? Did not know that. RoboCop too. Did not know that. Do you that. think they just made RoboCop and then they left well enough alone when they were like, you know, it was amazing and it got like a, such critical claim. I mean, I should have. Oh, let's just leave this alone. I should I should have known better than to think that, but I, I've never heard anything. Was RoboCop two like a a well received movie? It was well received. Yeah, it was well I've received. Never, I, I, it wasn't. I just never heard of it. Wasn't as critically popular. That makes sense. Um, as RoboCop one, but with fans, it was very well received and it did good. It did. Really good numbers. Um, we have another one, which is just like the, one of the greatest years. We have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Totally tubular, bro. This is 1990 now that we're in, by the way, with RoboCop 2, Dick Tracy, and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had... Oh, my God. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, to say... I'm not going to just do what I've been doing and say this was a great movie. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is like the standard, the gold standard of turtle that everyone holds all the new Turtles media to. Like, people, things come out, cartoons come out, animated films come out, um, the new ones come out, and I'll always hashtag not my Turtles. Like, it's <laughs> just not. You have these <laughs> these dudes in, like, you know, in these latex suits, and, uh, you know, the first, like, animatronic mouths on these Turtles, and the kind of way they talk like this, dude. And they, like, didn't, they tried, they did it on the television show, the animated, you know, television show that was out, and those were the very similar Turtles, it's the a, first one, but 
oh my god just the the, uh, the, the practical effects the the voice cast which featured uh, Corey Feldman in it amongst its ranks you know you had a really awesome movie that produced some really fun I won't say good sequels but really fun sequels that continued your turtles everyone at the time picked a turtle that was their turtle you know everyone loved Casey Jones uh, the hockey masked uh, vigilante that comes into their path in the movie and oh my god you know I gotta say I, I think that this is this has become sort of an underserved franchise because they've managed to put out pretty quality content for, for I, again I wouldn't say good I would say fun uh, with these movies and with the cartoons even nowadays like I've caught a couple episodes of the Nickelodeon Ninja Turtle show that's on right now uh, it's pretty good they, they managed to get it right or at least you know have fun with it everywhere except these new movies which you know is to be expected when you put it in the creative hands of Michael Bay I just wish you know I, I sort of wish they would take the sort of lesson that I wish the Fantastic Four movies would take and just let them breathe let them have a good time they 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 you know they they really dressed up these new turtles too much there's too much CGI. They're too ugly. Much they're ugly. They, they are... don't look like turtles. Exactly. They're they ugly. don't look like turtles. They look like freaking mutants. Okay. I get it. Oh. Actually, I don't get it. I mean, but I, I, I understand where the Hollywood machine happened mm. to, to the turtles, but I, 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 you have to know some point they're going to get lost in it. But, like, this was not the fucking way to do it. Like, just totally take these turtles, make them nine feet tall. The whole point of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is like when they go out in daylight and stuff. Like Raph wears like a, a trench coat and a fedora. People are just like, "Look at this ugly dude!" Like, yeah. you know, like it's supposed to be unrealistic. You know, it's supposed, but like at the same time, they're supposed to be able to still like, okay, if you have a nine foot tall turtle, all he has to do is walk at the six foot tall Foot Clan soldier and barrel right through them. There's no need to be a ninja, right? These, these. It's not realistic. You have six foot tall. This movie turtles. about teenage mutant ninja turtles is not realistic. We have six foot tall turtles who learned to the way of the ninja by their master, a rat, a giant sewer rat, a giant rat who was the rat and pet that observed his, you know, his master who 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 owned him. Who ended up being Shredder, their villain? Wow! How can we take that very, you know, already complicated plot, and make it more complicated? Oh well, they they might have been in the usual. They might have been aliens. Uh, they're also nine feet tall, and uh, also some of them aren't even good ninjas. Some you know of them kind of suck. Regardless of let's the, blow some shit up. Regard, and call it a movie. Yeah, regardless of the stick Mug and Fox in there. Regardless of the crazy bad filmmaking decisions and crazy nonsensical plot, um, it sort of reminds me of what Michael Bay did to the Transformers movies a little bit. You know, it, there is definitely a big part of of being aesthetically pleasing. You know, like mm. you said, these new turtles are ugly. They're bad to look at. Like, like, fucking nostrils. I don't, don't want to watch. A, yeah, exactly. I don't want to watch a movie about them. There was something inviting about. But as campy and as silly as these original movies were, they looked fun. They looked like you know. I I liken it to the Transformers movies. You know, I, I will full disclosure. I did intern for this show. I'm not just plugging it because I 
worked with these people, but it is a good show. Uh, Transformers Robots in Disguise on Cartoon Network. Uh, there's something aesthetically pleasing about the way that these characters look. They they have distinct personalities and fun colors, and you know it, it's just it, it looks like something I would want to watch. Whereas the Transformers movie characters, they're ugly. These robots well, are ugly. Just think about this: like when you were a kid, when you picked your turtle, you found the bandana that color, you cut eye holes out of it, you tied it around your head, and for all intents and purposes, I'm a turtle. You you were the turtle from the movie. Now it's like, hmm, let me find a dirty, greasy, cut-up rag and stick that on my fucking kid's head. It's like, like, why do they need to have like these like shabby, disgusting, friggin' smelly looks to them? They just look like these smelly, friggin' like. If I saw one of these guys, I wouldn't be like, oh, they're gonna save me. I'd be like, dude, you fucking reek. Exactly. Like, Listen, I, I don't, I, I don't need you to get r- realistic and gritty to the point of where. I actually have to believe that these guys live in a sewer. Like, that part, we can kind of skim over a little bit. Okay. Yeah, we have someone on the sideline saying that they're from the sewer, which, okay. They I'll are, give you but that. That's, that's what but I'm saying. Stinky, smelly, dirty hobos. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I. Exactly. Listen, uh, there's, a, there's a certain degree there's of. A fine line. There's, there's a certain, fine line. There's a certain degree. We don't cross. There's a certain degree of realism I don't need in turtle movies. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, they have some muck on their feet. Great. Like, but like at the same time, like it's like, okay, in, just, just like, just, like to human illustrate, feces on their face. <laughs> to 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 illustrate the huge difference you have, you have basically, um, in the Michael Bay ones, you have these. Well, first of all, they're nine feet, so imagine one of those guys getting angry. But Raphael as a character has a bit of a temper. Yes, he does. Okay, in the Ninja Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the nineties. When he has like he he can't, his temper comes out. It's kind of like oh, you can tell this guy's got a temper. He like he like yearns to be leader, but Leo's the leader. From what I see in this new one, this fucking Raphael's terrifying. This is for children, and this guy it looks looks like he doesn't look like oh, this guy's got a temper. It's like wow, well you're a huge scumbag. Like uh, great, like that reads great for children. Out here beheading people in the streets. He's not. I'm just making that up. But like that'd be that'd like be Raphael's supposed to like show kids. You know, it's alright. It's like and people like you know, it's okay to have a temper, but it's still so, get the job done. It's and be okay a hero. to feel sad sometimes. Alright, great. Anyway, all right. In 1991, we'll, we'll get so, back uh, to the turtles. I'm sure when the turtles come. We spent enough time on the turtles. Let's, okay. let's, let's 1991, we have the uh, Spawn of the Giver movie, which is a Japanese um, bunch of these like Japanese heroes. Um, I don't know much about them. I'm not going to pretend to, but huge cult following worth mentioning. The cosplay um, community loves the Giver series. They're right up there with like what the Power Rangers were. Um, Shout out the cosplay community. Um, the Power Rangers would be on this list, by the way, but there was too many media and like episode series, like the episodes of the show. The Power like, Rangers, the Power Rangers had the their movies, but uh, the Power Rangers had their movies, but mainly lived on TV. Yeah, I kind of want to put things of interest on there. You know, the Power Rangers happened. You know, they're there. Wait. The Power Rangers happened? What? I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm oh. Just saying. oh, I thought you were like, I thought like we were just on this. No, continue. Um, and then in, in same year, 91, we have one of the, the best and greatest and dearest movies to me and my brother's heart, The Rocketeer, which came yeah, out in 91. Yeah, you love this movie. This is another pulp hero um, who is, it was a total, when it came out as a comic book, it was a total piece of war propaganda. And uh, basically, it's about this guy. Um, his name is Cliff Secord, played in the movie by Billy Campbell, who finds a um, Nazi rocket. I'm going to tell you the movie version. In the back of the, he's a he's a pilot, and he flies, um, you know, racing planes, 
and he and his um you know fellow airman that teaches him uh they find a rocket in the back of this truck that you know these people were in pursuit of these not these nazis the fbi was in pursuit of these nazis and they stashed it in their um air base in the back of uh you know a, an old plane and so basically they have no money and they wanted to fl fly in races and they blow up their only airplane that they've worked for years on and they got the biggest race next week and they end up finding the rocket in the back of this um plane but instead of using it for the race like it was intended, this whole race to find the rocket from the Nazis, the FBI, um, you know, he wants to keep the rocket. Obviously, he's the only thing that he's like he sees that he can make money. Mm -hmm. um, there's this you know story of like love and intrigue with the girl uh, Jenny in the movie played by Jennifer Connelly, um, who was very popular in this time because she saw popularity with Labyrinth. Um, so. Um, you know, he kind of is like holding the secret from her and it's just like a really great movie and he ends up having to become this like unlikely hero. He's a huge putt, huge putz. He um, can't really seem to get this uh, rocket to work right. When he finally does, he kind of like, you know, becomes the hero he needs to be for this movie and it is very, very cool. It's a Nazi fight in 1930s, 40s uh, thriller piece that I love. So, and a little superhero connection here. The Rocketeer was directed by... Joe Johnston. Who also directed... Captain America, the first Avenger. When you have to, When you have to do a movie and you're Disney and you have... Uh, you know, well, it wasn't Disney at the time. It was still Paramount. Uh, right. They're doing Captain America. But when you know of a guy who made a movie that was for... That was aimed at kids and adults. That's a Nazi fight in 1940s pulp hero. You get the guy that did the Rocketeer. Right. They said they pretty much captured the same aesthetic Essence. for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, Rocketeer, James Horner's score. Rest in peace, James Horner. Um, beautiful pieces of music. Some of the most iconic, I think, in hero films. Just the Rocketeer theme is gorgeous. Um, also, that very next year, we saw the sequel to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 91 as well. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Um, and then you saw a movie called Toxic Crusaders. I don't know what that's about. Any relation to the Toxic Avenger? or That's what I want to get to the bottom of, hmm. but I don't know. I'll do, I'll do the research. You can do the list. 1993, we had a ridiculous movie called The Meteor Man. I watched this. Why? Many, many times as a child. I don't know. Then we had RoboCop 3. Yes, Mike. RoboCop 3. They made a third one. Oh, why okay. Did, uh, before, the... before we get to this, Toxic Crusaders was actually a television program, hmm. um, and it was a a it was a an animated series based on the Toxic Adventure films. Great! Oh, cool. we got to the bottom of that. Did you um, notice that RoboCop Three? Yeah, they made a third one too. Yeah, I knew you'd be surprised. By how, that. how did I not know about any of this? I feel like a really bad nerd right now. Yeah, well. You know, you I, know your DC, you know Marvel, but exactly, I'm a mainstream. I'm gonna take it loser. to school on this stuff. Seriously, you'll know it. Oh, um, this is interesting. This one was actually written by uh, by Frank Miller. Frank Miller had his had his hands on a lot of the writing at the time. Once he like from his acclaim in the graphic novel world, um, they put him on. He moved to film, and yes, he did do RoboCop three. Um, then same year, we had Super Mario Bros. What a weird yeah, flick. What a weird movie. Mario, Mario, and Luigi Mario. 
Oh my god. What, what? This movie, I, I saw it as a kid and didn't appreciate how strange and terrible John it was. Leguizamo Luigi? Yeah. Oh my god. What and a who, fucking who played, movie. Uh, who was Mario? Oh. We talked about oh, him last week. Shit, if I didn't remember. Didn't we? I, I feel like No, he... no, no. You talked about the guy that played Wolverine who played Smee. I think that was him. No, 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 it was not. We're gonna fact check this. Just give give, give us uh, one moment. Be 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 prepared to Pull be surprised. Pull it up right here. I it was a weird movie. Bob Hoskins was the same guy. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow. It was Bob Hoskins, who just if you have never read any of the behind the scenes, uh, like sort of aftermath of this movie, just the stars and the people involved talking about how terrible the experience of working on this film was. You owe it to yourself oh to look it up. Because especially Bob Bob Hoskins in his later years, uh, trashing this movie is hysterical. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was a disaster, though, that movie. It was a disaster. And really, honestly, uh, you know, this is sort of – we're diving into this movie, obviously, based on a video game. And this sort of – this was sort of the beginning of the end uh, for, for video game movies, which is still a problem that plagues – the film industry today is no one can seem to make a decent movie based on a video game. Every single one continues to fail. And this was really one of the first. And it was also one of the big reasons that Nintendo has stayed away from making films based on their properties. Notice other video game companies have kept trying. Notice you've never seen a Donkey Kong movie. You've never seen a, you've never seen another Mario movie. You've never seen a Zelda movie. It's just, they've, they, I think they sort of learned. They dipped their toe in the water and got fucking zapped. They got they got burned hardcore. You know, it's just uh, you know, and it's sad because I think especially nowadays, you know, there was rumors a couple of years ago of them maybe doing a Zelda Netflix series. I think it would be an interesting world of characters to revisit, and it's a shame that this piece of garbage movie seemed to ruin that. Um, very true. But it's just you know, it's very it, it's sort of a lesson in if you have something popular and you have popular characters and a popular sort of world building element to your property you do well to make sure it's done right exactly this movie looked nothing like super mario brothers felt nothing like super mario brothers if nothing if not for anything but the name and the colors of their jumpsuits you would not know this was a super mario brothers movie i think this is a perfect time to say i like it what <gasps> i like this movie. this movie is yeesh bad like it <laughs> i don't know what it is about it but I like it. All right, listen. Everyone likes something terrible now and again. Right. Next, I'm gonna try and roll through some of these. You have this that same year. You have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, Turtles in Time, not my favorite. Um, then you have '94. You have Blank Man. What is Blank Man? It is a movie about um. Oh man, if I can remember, I believe it's one of the Wayans brothers, and he becomes like a superhero. Um, with like, I think it's like a blanket tied around his head, around his neck, and it is like it's ridiculous. It's a comedy. Yeah, it is. Uh, it stars Damon Wayans and David Allen Greer. I used to watch that with my brother when we were kids. We loved Blank Man and Meteor Man. Um, let's see. Then we have um, the same year we have The Crow with Brandon Lee, Great son movie. of Bruce Lee. Um, died shooting this flick. I was going to say, that seems to be... Uh, you and I watched this movie together a, a couple years ago, uh, and I think it's overshadowed legacy-wise uh, by the tragic on-set death of Brandon Lee, who, if you don't know, uh, there was a scene where he gets shot, and 
there was a weird sort of prop error with the gun and it was supposed to shoot a blank but there was a piece of, of of something lodged in the gun and when they went to shoot the blank it shot out this piece of debris which ended up killing Brandon Lee it was terrifying circumstances but I feel like that accident has overshadowed the movie it's you know well I, no really actually, that a... actually added to a lot of its legacy what happened was when they shot after they shot that scene well one of the most interesting things is the guy that shot it uh, the gun is one of the actors from the film and actually the the shooting of Brendan Lee during the sh- during the shooting of this movie actually like ruined his life like emotionally I'm sure like, I mean that's gotta be such a traumatizing thing yeah is the person that killed Brendan Lee and not only did they have to like you know finish this picture but I want to cite also that this is the first time they had to stick someone's face on another person's face they had to reshoot that scene now when Brandon Lee's character enters at the beginning of the movie, he enters his own apartment and his wife is being, you know, raped and murdered and they they take him um, and they supposed to shoot him when he walked in and then he gets thrown out the window. But instead, now in the cut, he gets stabbed and then they throw him out the window. In all those shots, when you see him falling, you see him get stabbed. That was the first time that, you know, I know Rogue One and everything, they're doing it now. This was the first time they actually had to stick someone's face on someone's face Mm. digitally. And it actually works. And they were able to finish the movie with exactly what they had. Um, I love The Crow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Huge cult classic. Huge, huge, huge. Don't mean to trivialize what happened to Brandon Lee because obviously it is is a tragedy of the biggest, uh, the, the biggest sort of tragedies that you could have on a film set. Um, but it really, uh, they they really did get a good movie. It's a shame that that's, that's what it has to be remembered for because of just the, the, the overwhelming tragedy of it. It was, it was done by a, by a comic book, um, creator named James O'Barr, who now has gone on record saying that, uh, you know, that wasn't, the movie was like a very stylized approach to his comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he said that he would be definitely down. There was subsequent sequels. None of the, all of them stayed with that style, but, um, they were all with different actors. Didn't um, the second one have like a, a weird guy as the crow? Yes. Who was um, it? I'm, I'm going to look it up. But, um, yeah. Um, so basically there were subsequent sequels. None of them were done in the, they were all done in the same style as the first one, uh, so to speak. Um, but he has wanted, he wants to see a movie done just as the comic with his version of the crow you know he he recognizes that brandon lee will always be the harrowed you know uh the hallowed uh, ground of the character but uh he would love to see one done as as the, in the style it's such a shame for him to create a character and have someone's death on the set of a film and the legacy of that movie overshadow the fact that you'll never get to see the truest representation of your character um, and, and what is interesting, they have been trying to get a sequel, or not a sequel, a remake. They wanted made. Um, they wanted what's his name for a while. Tom um, Hiddleston. Well, before that, it was what's his name, Gambit, and uh, Twenty One Jump Street. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. I couldn't remember his name for a minute. I had a brain fart. What an awful choice. Um. Yeah. They also uh, different people have been. Uh, when I say that this movie has been, they've been trying to remake this movie for the last ten years or so. Uh, also, other names I'm, I'm looking up here. Uh, Bradley Cooper was in was in talks at one point. Mark Wahlberg, Ryan Gosling, James McAvoy, Tom Hiddleston, Alexander Skarsgård, Luke Evans. 
Uh, it just the names go on and on. Norman Reedus, um, Jack Houston, big, big, big list of people. I hope it happens. Yeah. Um, you know, would be cool, but the last, um, the, the last, we don't need it. The, the last name uh, that that I have here. Sorry, this is such a lengthy list. I did not expect it to be. Uh, the most recent name linked to the part, Jason Momoa. Good. Hope not. Um, <laughs> duty. Um, the next movie we have that year is Guyver Dark Hero, which is a sequel to that first Guyver film. Then we have two really great ones. We have The Mask, done with Jim Carrey, which was a bit of a stretch because, just like The Crow, it was not a so faithful adaptation of the comic it came from. Um, Jim Carrey uh, played The Mask, um, which is a guy that finds this mask in a river and basically puts it on and becomes this like whirlwind of like this like really like uh, weird self-aware character who can like change in and out of different costumes really quickly you know people will know the reference to the line smoking that's the mask um, it becomes it, 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 the character puts on a mask and becomes jim carrey no no <laughs> no what jim carrey puts on the mask well I guess you so. get what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, I guess so. But yeah, that's what that's actually the problem that people have with it. Is that like so yes. basically in the comic book, like the mask like puts like he funnily ends up like killing people. Right. Like and it's like kinda like this really dark, like but funny thing. Like and where it's like the movie was a little lighter. Oh yeah, he didn't kill anyone, like, you know, it was kinda like more of not less of like a like I don't know, it was less like that like dark hero type movie and it was more like a like a just a romp of a film where the guy is like this like you know banker by day and then at night becomes this guy who talks like this blah, 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 hey, and like run bouncing up and down the hallways and you know like you know getting shot at shooting at people but every, always missing um so yeah we had the mask and then we had the shadow Bringing back the Pulp Hero from the beginning, from 1937. First on our list. The first one on our list. We have The Shadow uh, with Alec Baldwin. What a good movie. Not good at the time. People did not like it, but good movie. Alec Baldwin, solid. It's why I know The Shadow. Um, In the classic line, The Shadow Knows. Great film. Um, Interesting watch if if you want to see the the Pulp Hero. I'm definitely intrigued. Yeah. Then in 95... We have something that was, you know, again, I guess Stallone as an action hero, an action star, wanted to jump on the tails and the tailcoat of these superhero movies that weren't Marvel and DC, kind of taken off. And he jumped on Judge Dredd, um, a comic book hero who is in a dystopian future. He's a cop called a judge. Um, and they're street judges. And he basically, he's judge, jury, and executioner. That's all you need to know about Judge Dredd. Oh, my God. It was Sylvester Stallone. Max von Sydow. Can I say it? Diane Lane. Can I say it? And? Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. They thought injecting humor into this movie would be a good uh, a good sort of, you know, relief. <laughs> you made a bad script worse. I, but here we go again. I love Jet I was going to say, all, all I ever heard for most of my life was that this movie was terrible. And I love it. And Dan, the minute I met Dan... All he can tell me is how much he loves this movie. Oh, I love it. I love I love how self-aware that he's Stallone. Stallone is. I love how, like, you know, the movie is, like, literally set to serve him. As a kid, being a Stallone fan, he gets off a freaking awesome motorcycle and just, like, you know, puts his hands on his hips and screams, I am Stallone! And you're just, like, so satisfied to be a Stallone fan. That's the thing. So, you know, with Stallone movies, for the most part, unless we're talking about the really good Rockies and maybe First Blood... 
you're either a Stallone fan or you're not. <laughs> yeah, you're you're ride or die, or you're just like, oh man, this guy's been awful. Yeah, exactly. Like, He's a real acquired taste. I happen to love him, but a lot of people out there don't, and this movie is included in that. that and category. not for me. I love Judge Dredd, even though it's awful. Oh, you love Stallone. I love it for all it is. I love it in all of its awful glory. Next, we have in '96. We we're gonna try and roll through some of these. '96, but I can't roll through the next one. '96, we have The Crow City of Angels, which was a sequel to The Crow. Not good. Um, then we have The Phantom. Very overlooked comic book movie. This is a pulp hero from a strip. One of the first superheroes ever in spandex. This maybe Not a common the first. Thing. This is a very odd claim to fame, but he was the first superhero and a pulp character to be seen in the comic strips in spandex. Oh, in the comic book. I was I thought you no, said on, like on film. On, oh. uh, no, on 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 oh, there you go. On, start of the in start, comics. Start of the revolution. Basically he grew up on this island. Um, his name's Kit Walker. Um, he was raised by the indigenous people of this island. Um, after I guess his ancestor was left on the island because uh, in a pirate raid, um, and basically um, this character fights pirates. And he, after that, in this movie, he's played by Billy Zane, and he comes to Manhattan and ends up having to fight this evil character called Xander Drax, who is looking for something on Bengala Island, where the Phantom is from. I love this movie. A lot of people think it's a huge piece of shit. Catherine Zeta-Jones is in it. I dig it. Watch The Phantom. Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, though. Not this Phantom. I know. 1997, we have Spawn, which we talked about the other day um, a bit. Michael J. White. This was one of the first like R-rated hero films. Very, very cool. Based off a McFarlane comic. Solid watch. Um... I believe Uncle Ben from The Amazing Spider-Man is in it. What's his name again? I'm drawing a blank. Oh. Oh. Um, Why am I not getting this? He's going to be in something now, too. Uh, oh, Martin Sheen. Sorry. Whoa. Oh, Uncle Ben. I don't know why I was thinking Richard Parker. Yeah, Martin Sheen. Oh, my God. No. Martin Sheen. Oh, okay. He's in it. He's the villain. Good movie. Watch it. Um, then we got Steel with Shaq. Enough said. Yes. <laughs> 98. Um, we didn't see much. I thought it was worth mentioning, even though it is Marvel. But we got Blade at the time; no one really knew that. So I'm throwing it on. Yeah, there. as I said, that's definitely a, a more obscure Marvel character. If we're gonna. Ninety nine. The Iron Giant. The Iron Giant. See, this is one of those movies that, regretfully, I I haven't seen since I saw it as a kid. I saw this movie in the movie theater and haven't seen it since but now in my later what? years yeah in my later years here I, i'm i'm coming to realize that people love this movie oh my god yeah uh my girlfriend she just watched it the other day for the first time mm -hmm. and i was like shocked that she had not seen the movie uh she loved it is this based on something or was this an no, original it's its own original piece um so amazing! I, I I I just yeah. Ever since I was a kid, I loved the Iron Giant. This is done done by Brad Bird, correct? Oh, who, yes. Who went uh -huh. on to do a lot of work with Pixar? Um, we'll get to did, that. Yeah, he did the. <laughs> um, yeah. So, the Iron Giant. What a great film! gives the gives us the whole beautiful line of "You are you are what you choose to be," to which he replies, "Superman." It's the one of the acting debuts of Vin Diesel. Um, as the Iron Giant. Not a lot of people didn't know that. Did not but, know that. But he's the Iron Giant, which is why when they did Groot, they were like, let's get the guy who played Iron Giant. And they were like, well, that is Vin Diesel, so we have Groot. to get Vin Diesel. I am Groot. I am Groot. Superman. Same guy. Anyway, we got the same year. We got Mystery Men. 
what a movie. I my, my roommate in college loved this movie. I think. Yeah, it's a good movie, actually. I've nev- never seen it. Loved it when I was a kid. Me and my brother, he was the shoveler, and I was Mr. Furious. Um, yeah, um, love that movie. Uh, Mystery Men is a group of ragtag, like, you know, people who are basically, like, uh, they're not superheroes. And they basically they're, like, turn, really bad superheroes, Yeah, right? they feel like turned themselves into super, superheroes. Um, in the year 2000, um, we got another Crow movie, Crow Salvation, and we got another heavy metal movie, Heavy Metal 2000. And we got, that year was the year we got Unbreakable, which is an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, but it is based on a character who, who, um, who, how would you describe Unbreakable? Have you seen it? You haven't seen Unbreakable. No. Oh my God. All right. Well, now because of that, you're all being punished. Go see Unbreakable and then come back to me. I would like, I would, I would actually really like to, it's uh, again, been on my list for a while. Just never really got around to it, but. Unbreakable Bruce, stars Bruce, Willis, stars Bruce right? Willis and Sam Jackson, and I'm not going to ruin anything, but Bruce Willis is in a train crash, and he is unbreakable. He's the only one that survives, um, and Sam Jackson ends up becoming the uh, villain, who is basically got bones that are like glass. Um, so, in fact, he got the bones of a very like normal but heroic movie. Like He's not a superhero. But it's, this is a solid film. This is a good film. Go watch it. This is not like a superhero film. It's a film set within the realm of s- someone who could be a hero. It's great. It's sort of, sort of like Chronicle in that sense, yeah. right? Where it's like mm-hmm. it's a movie about superpowers, but it's not a superhero movie. Right, precisely. Gotcha. Um, yeah, in 2001, we got Pootie Tang and Monkey Bone. Monkey Bone. Brendan Fraser. Hi, we're back. What's up, Brendan? <laughs> Anything to say about Monkey Bone? No, I just remember seeing the trailers as a kid, and I was so intrigued. And then one day I was sick home from school, and I watched it, and it was weird. Hmm. Yeah, what else is weird? Pootie Tang, which is about this like ghetto hero that unclips his belt, beats people with it, and clips it back together, and goes Sarate. Pootie Tang. <laughs> I need to. I need to to check his involvement. I think yeah, Pootie Tang was. Both written and directed by Louis C.K. Really? Yep. I loved Pootie Tang growing up. One of the uh, sort of one of (laughs) sort of the early works of of a guy who has gone on to be very successful, uh, to say the least. And then in two thousand two, we have Road to Perdition, which was a comic book. Mm -hmm. um, This is with, with Paul Newman and Tom Hanks, correct? Yes, it is. Um. Another good movie set within the realm of a comic book, but it has nothing to do with comic books. Gorgeous film. Um, 2003, we have American Splendor, which was a comic. Bulletproof Monk, which I didn't know this. Also a comic. American Splendor and Bulletproof Monk, I did not know, were based on comics, but I've now been told. Just sort of, sort of in this era, I feel like the the, the rise of the graphic novel yeah. led yeah, it yeah led led to a lot of movies. You know, so there were some of the more obvious ones that we'll get to that are sort of have superheroes or have like uh, have a spin to them that you can realize that they came from comics just off the bat. But a lot of them didn't. A lot of a lot of graphic novels in this era sort of started becoming a little more realistic to the point of where you can make a movie like Road to Perdition and not realize that it was based on a comic book. Right. Things like you know. We'll, go, we'll get to 300 and The Walking Dead even later on. You know, it's it's not not as obvious at this point that they right. were comic books. 
Now we have the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I believe had, um, which I believe had Sean um, Connery. Sean, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Yeah. Oh my God. I I I dug this movie. You should see my mouth right now trying to do the Sean Connery impression. It's this was movie. the precursor to Hellboy, like style wise, I think. Like you know, as far as movies go, um, and then we have next year, two thousand four, we have Hellboy, and Hellboy is an amazing film, which actually had another had a sequel, which was called The Golden Army, which we'll get to, um, directed by Guillermo del Toro, or as Mike can't pronounce, Gu- Guillermo Guillermo. <laughs> Guillermo. Good old googly Elmo. Guillermo. I could say it this week. I don't know why. My mouth just didn't work right last yeah, week. Guillermo know. del Toro. Done by Guillermo del Toro um, with um, Ron Perlman as um, Hellboy. What a cool movie. He's a cigar chomping, son of the devil, and got this like really good cast of characters with Doug Jones playing a character called Abe Sapien who's kind of like the scientific mind of this group that basically solves paranormal crimes. Uh Awesome. Doug Jones found his way back into the comic book landscape a couple years ago. He guest starred on The Flash. Great. That's useless. Next we have... (laughs) I like The Flash. Jeez. Next we have The Incredibles. Uh, Honestly, one of the best superhero movies of all time. Ever made. Ever made. What a wonderful movie. From start to finish. What a beautiful piece. But that's that's Pixar. That was Golden Age Pixar. That is. It's to be expected. It's all the Golden Age, baby. Done by Brad Bird. Eh, Debatable. You don't like them anymore? No, no, they're just not as... There was a time where Pixar could not miss. Every Pixar movie from 19... Well, what did they miss on for you? Cars 2. Oh, you know what? Honestly, oh, no when they when they started to get into right. the... There was there was sort of a change in philosophy, uh, philosophy for them. Uh, they used to just do originals for the most part. But now they've they've sort of transitioned into this phase of like okay we're gonna go on and off between sequels prequels and originals and their originals are still pretty strong for the most part um, with movies like Inside Out uh, but then you have movies like Finding Dory and uh, Cars Two yeah and Monsters University which are fine movies but they're just not they're not anything special whereas during right. the time of the incredibles and finding nemo and toy story you know even the toy story sequels they were just you couldn't right. miss they were great up oh, ratatouille they were fantastic movies and just, just the incredibles was on there yeah like you know the incredibles was just uh, an incredible piece yeah um really captured that I, I think it's Jason sort Lee was of an amazing villain yeah and you know it was sort of ahead of its time in the sense of like doing a superhero movie that was that had a realism to it, just like capturing, you know, I sort of, I don't think I appreciated this as a kid until I got older, just the, the sort of world building surrounding sound design, having super, oh yeah, I'll leave the that music. one to you. No, but like just the world building of the story, like just the, the having the superheroes and that they had to kind of go into hiding because there was a lawsuit. Like I didn't, I didn't really and, uh, pick up on that yet. Oh, who God, is voiced by Brad Bird? Yes, she was. Um, uh, Incredibles is an amazing piece, but, Tail coded by this piece of interesting thought I had one night, really, just like sitting around. But TJ Miller, the actor, literally has the voice of Jason Lee and the look of Syndrome. TJ yeah. Miller basically is the physical embodiment to me of Syndrome. We ever do the live action Incredibles movie. It's got to be TJ Miller. We have our Syndrome. That's oh. me saying, call him up. Then well, we have that. We will year. get. We will get. Uh, interesting thing to note: they are finally making a sequel to Incredibles. It only took Thank them God. 
15 years, but uh, it, we should have it by the 15th anniversary. Um, then that year we have Sky High, which I didn't like, but, you know, uh, uh, Kurt remember, Russell's in it. Yeah, and I, I, I remember I, I watched it. I think I rented it on Netflix back in the time where you Netflix used to send you DVDs. Um, uh, yeah, the, yeah, Kurt Russell's in it. Uh, Daniel Panabaker, who is now one of the stars in The Flash. Hmm. Also, also a part of that movie. Yeah, I, re- I really remember that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she was. Wow. She was. Yeah, I think she was the the female lead in the movie. I, I don't remember who the the kid was that played the lead part, but uh, it, yeah, it was a, it was a fine movie. Is it? You know, it was like a cheesy mid two thousands Disney movie. Nothing, nothing too exciting. Two thousand five. We have just ones I'm gonna run through real fast. We have the Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. What a piece of crap. We have Constantine with Keanu Reeves, which was basically a very loose adaptation of the book Constantine. I do want to say something real quick on, on Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Um, this was sort of on the 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 cusp of the rise of three D. If you remember, that was a big selling point of that movie. Yeah, was, it was in three D. Was Shark Boy and Lava Girl in three D? Yeah, it was like that and Spy Kids were the last couple of movies to come out where you still needed those red and blue glasses. Mm-hmm. Then you started to, in like 2004, 2005, get the digital 3D. And once they right. started installing more digital 3D, that's when we got to, we started to get to today's world where every movie is playing in 3D. Um, we have here um, a history of violence, which is actually a comic book. Did not know. Graphic novel, history of violence. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. Um, and Sin City, a personal favorite of mine. Um, directed by Frank Miller, who did the books. Um, what a cool piece with Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis, Michael Madsen, um, Michael Clark Duncan, um, Rosario Dawson, Frodo. Clive Owens. Yeah, Elijah Wood. Um, everyone's in this movie. It's a cool movie. What a good movie. Sin City is an amazing piece. Um, also, one of the in the three parts, just like the books, done black and white but with little pops of color. Wow. What I was gonna say, one of the one of the better examples of turning a a comic book into a into a movie and adapting it well. Uh, it, this movie really looks like a comic book. Oh yeah, and this was I want to mention that this was the mark and career return for Mickey Rourke, really. Yeah. Into the public into the public eye after going missing in Hollywood for a very long time. Also worth also worth noting this was uh, this was co-directed Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez uh, also a special guest yes, directing spot from Quentin Tarantino. Yep. Uh, and yeah, I, I just think this this sort of got it right because if you remember the the Hulk movie, the Ang Lee Hulk in two thousand three, one of the things they tried to do there was use almost panels on screen to try and get it to look a little bit more like a comic book, and. It didn't really didn't really work. This movie looks like a comic book, and it looks it like, looks like the book. It, it looks like from. the Sin City book. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I had picked up um, the year prior as a kid, uh, and I was like really shocked and uh, uh, surprised as a little eleven year old. But it's what a, little, a little dark and graphic for an eleven year old. But I loved the book, and I loved the movie. I think Marv is one of the coolest characters in comic book movie history, and just comic books in general. Uh, love it. Solid recommend. Um, next is Son of the Mask, which was a sequel of The Mask, was a piece of crap. Then you have V for Vendetta. Jim, Jim Carrey was not in that movie, correct? No. Then you have uh, V for Vendetta, which awesome was a comic book. movie. Um, really cool movie. Another really cool sort of comic book uh, adaptation. Written by the gentleman who wrote uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, I, I, a really, um, really well written movie. 
recommend it if you get a chance. One of the Definitely. better Natalie Natalie Portman films. Um, next we have in two thousand six we have three hundred, done by Zack Snyder, which would be the first and uh, certainly not the last we'd see of him in the genre. Um, but no, <laughs> but I, honestly, I love this movie. his his best work in the genre. Yes, the the first, the ultimate, and my my I I just I loved it. I love Greek mythology. It was that, but like turned like. Uh, Technicolor and amazing and so textural and beautiful. It's funny that this seems to be amazing. This is the high point. This was one of the early works for both of them. It was the high point in both the careers of Zack Snyder and Gerard Butler. I don't know. Something about this movie just really worked. Um, I think, you know, it was a combination of uh, it really played to everyone's strengths. Uh, Gerard Butler is an actor, uh, Zack Snyder is a filmmaker, and plus it was really good source material. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. One of my favorite movies, actually, it's on my favorite movie of all time list, not because of its like being good, but just because of the style and the uh, design. As a very visual person, uh, you can't beat the fight. I remember, yeah, there was, and there was a lot of talk around this movie when it came out. Like some yeah. people didn't know if it was animated or if it was no. live action. That's just, that's how cool and uh, how well shot it was, just how it really had a unique sort of look to it. Yeah, it's got a bite to it. It's a, it's a toothy movie. I, I love it. Um, and then we have in 2007 we have a movie based on a comic called Dirty Days of Night and we have the TMNT animated movie which would be the first adaptation to the screen of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles since the 90s done animated I think it's the only animated uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie yeah Yeah. Um, also worth the personal note that was the first Ninja Turtles movies I've ever the first Turtles movie that I ever saw and also the last Hmm, I've never seen another Turtles movie go back to the 90s ones yeah um, then we have an adaptation of Underdog, which, <laughs> which came out that Shout out to my mom. My mom loves Underdog. Really? Yeah, not the movie, the TV show, but yeah, my mom's a big Underdog oh, fan. Oh, shout out to her. 2008, we get Hancock, which was a solid idea, poorly executed. I hate this movie. Why? This was the first movie that I ever sat in that by the end of it, I was so offended by how bad it was that I turned away from the screen and did not watch the rest of it. By the la- like the last 10 minutes of this movie, I did not watch because I was so to the point of, oh, give me a break, this movie is trash, that I could not bear to watch anymore because I just so didn't care. And it was one of those movies that the worse it got, the more it offended me. It, it, the, the thing about this movie is Dan's very right. I was very excited to see this because it was such an interesting pre, uh, premise. You had a you had a Will Smith playing a superhero washed up who was sort of a drunk. Really interesting concept, and especially at this time where superhero movies weren't as prevalent as they are now, it was it was such a unique take on the genre. And there's this weird. I mean, if you re, if you want to see the movie, I don't even remember, so I don't think I could spoil it for if you, if I wanted to. But there's this weird twist in the middle of the movie regarding Hancock and how he gets his powers. And it is just one of the worst movie twists that I have ever had the displeasure of witnessing. And it just ruins the entire movie. It, it tears it to pieces. Hmm. Wow. I, am very, I am very passionate with how very much I... passionate opponent to this film. There are two movies that... There are three movies that I hate to this level. And they're the most random movies. It's this... The second Transformers movie and Knowing, starring Nicolas Cage. Those are my three most <laughs> hated movies. That's the random Nicolas Cage movie. All three, common thread. All three of these I saw with my father, who was like, oh, you know what? Let's go see a movie. 
Maybe he's the one. I think I think now that's I think I, he's the one. I think we need to. Uh, that that's why I, I, I we started steering towards. Okay, I only go see movies that I that I know I want to see. Um. Then we have. Alrighty, then I don't have to say a thing. We have Hellboy Two: The Golden Army, which was not a, the not so excellent sequel to uh, Hellboy. Um. Then we have one to note. Basically, after they made Sin City, um, um. Frank Miller decided to adapt his mentor, Will Eisner's book, The Spirit, which had a previous installment on television, Mm -hmm. um, into its first movie. And he kind of styled it like Sin City. Um, And as we were also in agreement with um, a hot salad world cohort, uh, Vinny Guarino, who has, I was going to say, uh, sort of, sort of one, in the matrix. Yeah. One, one of the, uh, one of the inspirations of us talking about these sort of movies was, was Vinny commented on our post of our last one uh, regarding this particular movie. So shout out to Vinny talking about the spirit spirit took my spirit away. <laughs> I was a fan of the books. I read the books. Uh, I don't know what happened. The spirit is nothing like a Frank Miller character, so I don't know what happened to this movie. I don't know why it had to be ruined to the degree it was ruined. It was awful. It was all the bad things a movie can be. Uh, it was just a piece of shit. This is a one steaming of pile of cow dung. This is, this is one of those movies that I that I you, you never see one of those movies that you think looks interesting, but you just stay away from because everyone tells you that it is not worth it. This is one of those movies for me. I never saw this movie. I will never see this movie. And it sounds like based on your comments and, and Vinny's comments, it was worth me staying away. Yeah, it was. Uh, piece of shit. If cool. I could have worked, walked out of it, I would have. Excellent. Did, did, didn't Vinny? Did. Vinny yeah, did. Vinny left. So um, good good move on your part, Vinny. Next we have Wanted. Never never saw it. but Another comic book adapted uh, piece. Um, actually... A solid film. I heard. I heard good things. James McAvoy's in that. Yeah, him and, and it was like his Angie like Jolie. big moment. Two thousand nine, we see Watchmen, the next Zack Snyder directed picture, which I actually love. Also, uh, also another. Uh, I think if we if we've noticed anything about Zack Snyder, it's he does his best work with other people's things, where he's adapting the thing exactly. Exactly. The Watchmen. Um, most people. It's would, almost shot for shot the book. Yeah. Besides exactly. the ending, they change. Yeah, they change the ending, but. And, and and much more well received than now his later work with DC because DC he started trying to put his own spin on on Superman and Batman and did what he wanted with it, uh, whereas Watchmen and Three Hundred he was very careful to say this is the book I'm gonna adapt it, which I'm not saying is what should always be done, but certain directors have their sensibilities and Zack Snyder's sensibility seems to be adapting graphic novels exactly as they're written, so yeah maybe he should stick to that definitely. Next, we have in 2010, um, we have, well, okay, let me actually, let me rewind real fast. Let me talk to you guys seriously. Watchmen, for me, was the moment I looked at Zack Snyder and went, you, sir, would make an excellent Batman movie. Um, There's a movie, there's a moment where they're fighting in a prison, um, and it's this character, Night Owl, um, who's fighting with Silk Spectre, uh, played by Malin Ackerman. and I believe um, they're fighting through this prison and it is such an excellent sequence done in the style of 300 where it's like fast fast hands, fast fighting, and then slow motion. I was like, this would make an excellent Batman fight scene. 
um, more to the effect of what we got in Batman v Superman with the fighting sequence of Batman. Which just... I will, yeah, and you know what? I will say, you know, we'll, we'll obviously talk about more uh, when, we, when we get to our DC history, but Zack Snyder did make a great Batman movie. Yeah, he did. He, the problem is he couldn't combine it with a great Superman movie, and that's why we got yeah. the movie that we did. But you were right there. He's spot on. He, he did make a great Batman movie. Yeah. So in... 2010, we got 30 Days of Night, Dark Days, which was a comic. We also got Dylan Dog, Dead of Night, which was a comic book, which was Dylan Dog, Dylan Sucked. Um, um, and we also got Kick-Ass. Love that movie. Really, which is a great film. Yeah, great great sort of... Uh, directed by Matthew Vaughn, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yes, who, it was. Who, who really has a great... If you look at his uh, filmography... Great movies like X-Men First Class and Kingsman. Yep. Uh, he has He's a, really got a really winning... Uh, rap sheet to him. Yeah, it, it's he. He knows how to how to make camp work. Yeah. If you notice, all those movies have a little bit of camp to them, and they're colorful and they're fun, and but they're also they they can be rowdy and violent, and uh, you know it doesn't. There's not a lot of restrictions on on what he does, and it works well. Yeah. Uh, and worked well in this movie. Really well acted. Aaron Taylor Johnson, Chloe Grace Moretz, Nick Cage even. One of the better Nick Cage performances that we've gotten in... I think so. I hate Nicolas Cage. I think somebody needs to blow his nose. <laughs> and he Seriously. Was, he was great in that movie. Really fit the part. Um, because you know what it was? It was, a, it was Nicolas Cage's camp and it worked well. Yeah. He really... Uh, he knew how to pull his performances. Great movie. Really well done. Uh, I, I really like this one. Uh, next we have Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, um, which was a good movie. Awesome um, movie. With great comedy. Um, it's got really awesome style. Keeps really faithful to the book. Audiences who read the books loved it. Um, it 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 it, it has like all of the bones of a hero story, but also like none of them with like really kind of those campy comedy actors in it. Um, you have Michael Sarah. Um and um you know a very Actually, I, a very I want I want to run through this whole cast here because this my favorite part about this movie I love Chris Evans is it yeah my favorite part about this movie is it, first of all it's it's an excellent movie fun fun video game sort of theme to it Edgar yeah. Wright really well done movie uh but just the cast uh, Mary, Michael Sarah Mary Elizabeth Winstead Kieran Culkin uh Allison Pill Ellen Wong. Uh, Anna Kendrick, Brie Larson, Aubrey Plaza, Chris Evans, Brandon Routh, Mae Whitman, Jason Schwartzman. What? That's a that's an yeah. awesome cast. It's a great cast, and the movie works perfectly. Yeah. Again, uh, another movie that very much in the style of Kickass. It's not afraid to be campy. Not afraid to be a little zany. Definitely. Um, 2011. We have. Not based on a comic book, but based on a book. We have The Adventures of Tintin. Cute movie. Watch it. We have Cowboys and Aliens. Based on a comic. Don't watch it. We have The Green Hornet, which was the first time we'd see The Green Hornet, who was an old TV uh, hero um, in the past. We have The Green Hornet here, in uh, done by um, Seth Rogen. <laughs> I'm this, The Green Hornet. This, <laughs> quite done. No. We have that movie, and uh, it's interesting. It's not great, um, but it got Seth Rogen to slim down, and I think that's a, that was for the best because now we get to enjoy more good Seth Rogen movies because he was nice and healthy after it. 
good so, for him. Glad yeah. he got his, uh, got got himself in shape. Yeah, and then he gains a lot of the weight back. He said, "I, I listened to him on Howard." Yeah, oh. he was like, "I got to do a thir- size thirty-two waist," and I was like, "This is not livable." <laughs> um, yeah. So whatever, so, whatever, whatever keeps him happy. I just want, I want him to make more stuff because Seth Rogen is uh, not only a very talented actor, a very talented filmmaker as well. Great, that's very nice for you. I like in, Seth Rogen. Okay. In 2000, 2012, we have a seriously awesome film um, that I tried to turn on the other night, just like to put on his background noise. We had Dread, which was the superior um, adaptation of Dread to the. Um, the 90s Judge Dredd and Stallone um, and this Dredd movie has Carl Urban it fails to find a sequel even though it found really great success the movie's style is brilliant it pulls on the books very very well um, you, you have like a very awesome plot you have Lena Headey who's in it um, yeah. she plays the villain Mama, Mama. the Mama clan um, what a friggin' amazing movie! Carl Urban, who's really gotten uh, deep into the the, the yeah. dorky movies, he got he was uh, he was Dread, he was also Bones in the in the new Star Trek movies, and uh, we'll later see him this year in Thor Ragnarok as Scourge. We get some of the best. We get some of the ju- best Judge Dread catchphrases in the movie, like Judgment Time, and uh, the sentence is death. He like he like sentences people in the movie. It's oh, oh man, if you're a Judge Dredd fan or the fan of the comic books and you want to see like Judge Dredd happen on film, this is it. A lot of people are iffy on the the, the costumes, which I think are pretty badass if you're a Dredd fan from the comics. But oh man, it does a lot for you. It, it, I really hope it finds some kind of sequel. I think they were saying recently it might get an animated sequel. Yeah, they're, they're definitely watch. they've been trying. To, it, it did well, and they've been trying to find some life for it. But it just was a really hard sell. Um, and it took a lot of money to make, and uh, you know what? It's also I feel like it, it it sort of has it, it has the stain of the ninety five, ninety six, yeah. whatever whatever year that came out, the Stallone one, um, and that's that's a hard sort of label to shake off. Well, what happened was the movie came out, and even though it critically did well, it failed to find its audience, like sort of like numbers wise, um, as far as how much it took to produce and how much it got back. So basically, what happened was they found themselves like you know, luckily in the green. Um, but not to a degree that made them go like less green light a sequel. They were like, "Woof, we made our money back." So they were like, <laughs> "We did it." So yeah, we're good, so guys. they were like, "All right, okay, uh, let's just quit while the getting's good." Even though like, no, people liked it. Yeah, they liked it, but it didn't find its audience. Like, it didn't find an audience. Like, not a lot of people saw this. Like, in comparatively to other comic book movies, and that's where that stain comes in. I don't think people saw it because they're like, "Dread, oh, a sequel to the <laughs> no. a sequel to the, the god awful Stallone movie." Yeah, we good. We're good. Um. So yeah. So we had Dread in 2012, 2013. We saw the sequel to Kick-Ass, Kick-Ass 2, which was a good sequel. Yeah, uh, um, you know, it didn't, did, didn't do as well, so we probably won't see the third one that uh, they sort of set up at the end of the second one. But uh, good movie. I, I enjoyed it. It fit pretty much. You enjoyed the first one. You enjoyed the second one. Um, then we had The Lone Ranger with Army Hammer and uh, Johnny Depp, which is basically just two hours of Johnny Depp prattling on, talking about the crow flies at midnight and on your head and I will drink the water off your belly button. It's a it's shame. Like, it's it's a shame cause we, we talked about these, uh, I, uh, these campy old thirties, forties, fifties, uh, pulp heroes. And I think this movie was a large reason that we won't get many more based on those heroes because this because movie, this movie was so such bad. an utter failure. 
Um, but you know, it was just, I, I think it was the type of movie they decided to make. They decided to make it a big budget summer tentpole. This is Disney really movie. where they, they start to make, this is the, you're going to see here. This is really where they start to make the sequels to those things that did well the first time mm -hmm. and they start crashing and burning. Yeah. Cause you know what? So, if we've learned anything over the past few years with these low budget movies like Deadpool, where you sort of take a chance on something by lowering the budget and going right. a little, you know, making sure you're doing something cool with it at the expense of making it that big summer tent pole. They did not go small. They this. did not do that. And I think they paid the ultimate price for it because it was just one of those movies that from the very get-go, you knew it didn't look like a good movie because they put way Actually, too much into it. I knew from I, that from first, first trailer. Still, no, from the first still, oh, yeah. I thought like, you know what? This could work. And then the first trailer came out and I was like, eh, eh. Conceptually, I think it was it was a decent idea, a decent yeah. casting, but... But the casting looked good to me. Like a lot of there was a lot of controversy based on Johnny Depp's, um, you know, heritage, whether he was actual Cherokee or not, or you know, had it. He's like one third. He said, and people were like, "That's not good enough to play Tonto," and there was a huge cry. Yeah, that's that's fair. I feel like that. It was, was very controversial. It was story. a controversial movie, and you know, not for not for bad reason. Um, and then in 2014, we see uh, 300: Rise of an Empire, the sequel to 300. Who cares? Who even cares? What that's a piece the thing of is, we've noticed there's there's been a few of those. If you noticed uh, movies like Son of the Mask and Three Hundred, and uh, I'm sure we'll get to Sin City too shortly. You're, right now, you're uh, gonna get yeah. to Sin City, a Dame to Kill for. Yeah, uh, all these trash movies. Trash. Made, made, I Frankenstein. Yeah, trash. Made same years, year. But uh, I'm you know just to these sequels I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, they they're made years after oh. the success of the original movies. It, you can't with different casts most of the time. You know, it, it, it's a stupid idea. Why would you think just the brand name alone is enough to, when you're making them with different teams of filmmakers, different casts of characters, why would you think that that's enough to sell your movie? It's just It stupid. wasn't in the end. The, no. These people paid the, they, it these wasn't, brands yeah. paid the price. 300 Rise of an Empire failed. Yeah. Um, I, Frankenstein, which was just like playing on the Frankenstein name, so it might as well have been a sequel, that failed. The, was it the Eckhart one? That was the Aaron Eckhart movie, which yeah. looked like Ooh. trash, failed. Satan City, A Dame to Kill For. I had a fan of me in the first one. This one, it failed. Fell flat on its face. Um, but then we have some two cool movies this year. Big Hero Six, which was not a comic, but was one of the first. No, uh, it was. was Marvel, right? That was a, that is a so Marvel comic. We'll correct. move that back to uh, yeah, we'll last week. We, we, we skipped over that one, but so yeah. now here it is in the regular one. Yeah, in the regular section. That is a uh, one of the golden. You know, I, I said before that we sort of transitioned out of the golden age of Pixar. We are now in a golden age of Disney. You have they they did there's a stretch now going with some amazing amazing movies. You had Wreck It Ralph, which I guess we could talk about in this in this category too because it had uh, a lot of video game cameos. Sure. sure. Um, Wreck It Ralph, Big Hero Six, Frozen, uh, Zootopia, Moana. What what a like stretch of movies they're going through right now. Really incredible yeah. work. Good. I'm so glad they ruined it with Beauty and the Beast. Um, so, different yeah. company. Also, based kind on a of comic, under different umbrella of Disney, Continue. which was a movie that I am a huge, um, I am a huge advocate for, is the Chris Evans film Snowpiercer. Uh, this movie is universally beloved. I have not had the pleasure of seeing it, Love but it. but it very, I, I've heard very, very good. You haven't watched it about a guy who lives on a train who's like it's running after the apocalypse, basically, and they're in the last car, which is basically like the the poor people's car, and basically one day they decide to stage a revolt against the rest of the train. Um, and Chris Evans is amongst those poor people. He's got a great story. The movie is really well done. Really cool looking movie. It's yeah. A, a very good sort of uh, 
aesthetic to it. And Tilda Swinton's in it too, right? Yes, she is. And she plays an interesting character. Um, yeah, definitely. Solid recommend. Cool. Then we have that year. We've already talked about it, so we need to say no more. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Michael Bay. Trash. <laughs> made by uh, made by the good folks uh, at Nickelodeon Movies. Say no more. Uh, first and fail. Um, and then you have Kingsman, The Secret Service. Love this oh, movie. Love man. this movie. Love this movie. What? A, uh, what? This This really was a left field sort of movie for me. I thought this was going to be garbage. And then I saw a friend of mine on Facebook was like loving it. And I was like, I got to see this movie. It was one of those movies that I, I had no opinion on. I just thought it was going to kind of just fly by. I actually just, I watched it uh, on demand once it was already out at home. Uh, but I heard such good things about it from my friends who saw it in the theater. I had friends that went to go see it multiple times, two, three times. And, uh, yeah, really, we're getting the sequel to that this year. So I'm really excited about yeah. that. If people say Manners Maketh Man in that movie, Manners, manners Maketh Me want a sequel. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to Zing. See. Also, first, really, uh, movie that we got with uh, Taron, uh, what's his name? Huh? At the star of the movie, what's the kid's name? Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton. No relation to Joel. to Joel. Yeah, and also uh, just a really really great actor and this was sort Good of old his, Eddie the Eagle. This was his breakout, yeah, Eddie the Eagle. This was his breakout role, so we're looking forward to seeing more of him on our big screens over these next few years. And the last movie that I hate to end it with. So I'll probably rattle off some of the that are to come just really quick. And we'll, we don't know about them yet, so I won't say anything about them if you want to look them up. That's cool. The last one that came out was Max Steel. <laughs> I, I don't hear I never heard anything in review of this movie but I had the Max Steel toys growing up uh, that's all I have to say I don't know I'm sure it was awful I'm sure it was bad no you know it was the weird thing I remember leading up to this movie is I saw the first I had heard about it I saw a poster or something months before and I was like hmm okay the they're making a Max Iron Steel Man. movie but I hadn't heard anything about it leading up to it and then uh, all of a sudden I was like in a hotel room or something and it was like Max Steel coming this weekend I was like what it was just <laughs> yeah it was Ooh. not only not only did it not do well uh, commercially uh, critically it was really poorly advertised. Yeah. So I mean, that was just a weird thing that I remember about this movie. But yeah, not a, not a lot of cool uh, movies based on toys from our era yet. Uh, I would love to see like a cool. Um, I don't I don't really remember what toys that we played with, but there's got to be some cool ones there that you can make a good movie out of. Toys. So if Max Steel wasn't huh. the one. Remember uh, Cubics? No. Anybody, I want a Cubics movie. Hit me up. Hit me up if you remember Cubics, robots for everyone, <laughs> or uh, Beyblade. Let's get a let's get a solid Beyblade you know movie. At least that's something I could see a premise for. Beyblade. Let Beyblade. Beyblade was literally a show about kids playing with tops. Yeah. Why did I like it? Because you're a fucking dork. It was the same reason I liked Yu-Gi-Oh. Was it? Who was it? The time to duel. Who? Joey Wheeler. Hey yo, Joey Wheeler. Oh my god. We're we're all from we're this all is, from Japan, but somehow I'm from Brooklyn. This is a, this hey a yo, I think I got off the wrong stop at the L train and ended up in Tokyo. Oh This is a this is a funny this is a funny story. This is from our this is from our friendship. Um you know, Yu-Gi-Oh has this character Joey Wheeler, like he said, he's Joey from Japan, Wheeler. but for some reason he's from New York. And one morning I needed to wake my friends up for something and we were all in the same place. 
and I just got up in the middle of the room and started, I don't know why to this day, I started yelling, Joey Wheeler. And that's the way everyone woke up that morning. And you know what? It worked worked because it was such a confusing way to be woken up. So you watched Beyblade for the same reason I woke up screaming Joey Wheeler. To say I've been called the ideal consumer because I bought toys like Beyblades. Dude, you had a bucket once I saw with uh, High School Musical on it. I was like, what the That was the not fuck? mine. I kept my stuff, and it was my sister's. Thank you very much. <laughs> sure. We'll do, a, we'll do a High School Musical Guys, podcast next week. Mike loved High School Musical. Oh, God, no, I did not. Shut up. <laughs> no, I did not. Relax, Mom. Okay. <laughs> anyway, 2017. I'll rattle these off in case you guys want to look them up. We have Kingsman 2, The Golden Circle. Very excited for that. Yep. Valerian and the City of, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Dane DeHaan. With Dane DeHaan and the girl with the eyebrows. Cara Delevingne. Cara Delevingne. Be nice to Cara. She's a wonderful actress and a very funny Debatable. lady. Debatable. Um, I like her. Then we have the Atomic... Not good in Suicide Squad, but not her fault. Then we have the t- Atomic Blonde, which is the basically the female John Wick. Yeah, uh, really cool mov- looking movie with Charlie's Throne. His fights look weak sauce though, gotta say. Yeah, but cool concept though. I'm willing cool to concept. A chance, yeah. I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to actually see it through to the end, uh, even though the fights look awful. Yeah, not, um, not looking good in the trailer, but other than that. Then we have The Death of Stalin, which is actually based on a comic book. The Death of Stalin? Yeah. Like uh, that Stalin? I'm sure. Oh, all right. Um, then we have a movie called Harbinger, which is also um, a comic book movie. And the movie called I Kill Giants, um, which is also based on a comic book. And in 2018, there's a Bloodshot movie, I think, done by the guys at Bat in the Sun. Um, so oh, Shout out to Bat in the Sun. Shout out to Bat in the Sun. All right, guys. There you have it. There was your hour and 40-minute painstaking list of every Listen, movie yeah, we're not that gonna, mattered we're, in the superhero genre that weren't Marvel and DC. We did it. We did it. We covered we it all. Superheroes, it. cartoons, comics, comic strips, Whew. serials. You kn- I didn't think we'd listen, get through this. Listen, here at the Dork Side, if we're going to do something, we go all out. So uh, we hope that you stuck with Guys, us through I this journey. This it's crap for an hour and 45 minutes today and then weeded out for another hour and 40 minutes everything that was extraneous garbage from other countries that was like made with two bucks and a pack of bubble gum and That no one's ever heard of. That no one's ever heard of, watched, or cared about. So one that, one that I'm upset we didn't talk about was The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. You know what else we did not talk about? Which deserved to be on this list. Um, and I don't know how I didn't put it on the list in the end. It's just, like I said, it was just a very dense thing. But the Zorro movies. With oh, yeah. Antonio Banderas um, in the 90s. And then there was also Zorro sequel. There was also Zorro uh, serials and Zorro the Gay Blade. Look that one up. Uh, you know, the late 60s. Uh, then you had. Um, you know the Zorro movies in the '90s with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Antonio Banderas. Zorro, sort Love of its own things. own genre of superhero. Kind um, of. Well, it should. Yeah, it's its own. It's its own thing. It was the swashbuckling hero. Um. So yeah, yeah Zorro. He, he buckled that swash. He buckled that swash so good. I loved those movies growing up. If there was like, I always saw it, like myself being like, I want to grow up and be Antonio Banderas and Zorro. You say, I well, did not. Uh, you, yeah, no. You just grew up to be you. Me. Which yeah. is, but that's, which is that's perfectly fine. all right. We, we like you. That's fine. I'll just be Zorro. All right. Well, you guys, there we you hope you it. we hope you enjoyed this dive. Thank you, Dan, for taking Oof. us through that because uh, you, you sort of uh, carried the ball on this one. 
Yeah, well, you uh, brought it over the threshold. I'm so. s- I'm slacking on my movies here. I got to go back. I'm going to use this as a guide for myself on movies I got to go back and check out. Yeah, if nothing else, guys, it's a guide to be like, what happened in yeah. these, uh, this so, genre? You, you saw the ebb and flow. Uh, you saw, saw the good, the bad. And there bad. really is, though. Like, you see, like, there was the pulp, there was the pulp block. Then there was the let's try and do space block. Then there was the block of let's make sequels to that pulp block. Then there was the whole, you know, base it on a toy line block. Then there was the bring back the pulp heroes block. Let's adapt block. everything that then moves. Then there was let's adapt the graphic novels. Let's make sequels to those graphic novels that fail. And then we have. Yeah, you, you know, know I, I noticed, that, you know, when we talked about Marvel, there was more of a like. Then we had the good period, then the bad period, then the good period, then the bad period. This was, this was a, yeah, wavy... this is, yeah, it depends. I guess it's not so much a genre thing. It just depends on the source material. So it really went up and down depending on the movie. Yeah. It's a little more interesting, I think. Definitely. Awesome. Well, there you have it, guys. That is all for us That's this it. week. That's it. Be We're sure done. to uh, go back and check out the the archives, hotsaladworld.com slash the dork side. There's some hyphens in there. Figure it out. You'll be fine. Just go to the Hot Solid World homepage where you can check out not only us, but some other great podcasts as well, some great blogs uh, from our friends over at Hot Salad World. And, uh, yeah, check us out on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if you're not already. Shout out to our subscribers because you put up with us every week, and we appreciate yeah, thank that. thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, leave us a leave us a comment, leave us a review, rate the podcast, give it five stars. If you're not giving it five stars, don't give it anything. Don't sit, give it nothing. But sit, sit at, at, at the very least, just go in peace and be lovely. Yeah, yeah. Amen. That's all we ask. Awesome. Well, we will be back with some more uh, dork sidiness for you yep, next week. Definitely. Um, and uh, pro- if I had to pick to wager a guess, I'd say it would be the DC side of this. Unless we get something really unless depressing some big to talk news. about. Or something really important pops up, like a stupid musical episode of a show happening. Uh, Don't laugh. I do want to talk about it. So, yeah, if anybody, anybody, first of all, <laughs> real quick here before we sign off, uh, we're approaching the the hour and forty five minute mark, and I just want to get us there. If you're not watching the CW Arrowverse shows, that would be Supergirl, The Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. Go back on your Netflix and catch up. Watch really great stuff they're doing. Oh, yeah, because there's a needless musical episode coming that I really want to talk about with you guys. Listen, if you have half your class from Glee, use them. <gasps> no, you don't. You do. Okay, we'll talk about this with you guys. We will we'll definitely talk about I need this. Because I need to face you. I need to verse you. I need to face you like a man and tell you why this is a shit idea. All right, well, I'm going to go home and watch Supergirl. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> go be lovely, be merry, and enjoy yourselves, guys. All Thank right, you. well, signing off for the dark side. I am Mike. (laughs) I am tired. Take care, guys. Good night.